guys, welcome to Pavant Guard. This is another art news episode. Um, I'm Andre Gazetta. I'm Katrina Davis. And I am Jordan Lee Williams. Oh, my shoulder and cracked really loud. Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, and this week it's an art history podcast. Or it's, oh my God, it's always an art history podcast. This week podcast. it is an art history podcast. <laughs> this Curve week ball. it's an art news podcast. <laughs> Um, but, but like a make... modern art history, we're doing contemporary shit, bitch. Mostly, except art, for art I have history one article today, from 2018. <laughs> but like mostly, yes. Uh, <laughs> but to, before we get started, I just want to say we are going to be making a few changes to the schedule because I am going to be going out of town for uh, like almost a month. Um, so in April, we aren't going to have any episodes for the first two or three weeks um but we will be back around the 26th and we are also going to be starting to do a bi-weekly schedule and so that means that we'll only have an episode every other week and one of those episodes will be an exclusive patreon episode part of this is just because the cost of buying an editor is more expensive than the money we're making right now and none of us have money <laughs> to be clear so. we have not bought elliot we only <laughs> use his time his services but yes. <laughs> it would be so much more expensive if we were to actually physically buy an elliot um we cannot afford an elliot no it is um for us to basically reschedule in a way that can make the podcast um more sustainable over time yes. so we can keep bringing you these episodes on the same regular basis that we have um instead of not being able to do it at all <laughs> yeah that's what it is it's just so that we don't cry later well we will it's a quality but not about over this. quantity if the quality <laughs> was us being able to pay our rent yes <laughs> nailing it so yeah that's what we're bringing to the table and we still love you and thank you for all your support and i don't know let's yes. get into the episode thank you so much for everyone that has supported us thus far i as someone who does not do patreons as much as an artist was already blown away that anyone would give any amount of money to keep listening to us talk so very excited to be able to bring more value to the people that are already supporting us through patreon through these exclusive episodes and hopefully we will just be able to keep scaling up and the more patreon supporters we get the more we can pay Elliot for more episodes so um you know thanks for helping us out and continuing to help us out and I'm really excited for the new schedule <laughs> yeah me too uh Jordan do you want to tell us what happened to you speaking of art news <laughs> <laughs> wait does Jordan have personal art news she does I yeah. do uh Ooh. I hadn't even considered it art news but andrea was pointed out rightly that yeah it probably is um so i got offered a job and i was very excited and Yay. you know they gave me the offer i accepted and then they followed up my acceptance with asking about when i used to work at a tattoo shop and i was like yeah you know it's, it's on my resume worked there for five years i loved it uh, and then they said, well, we can't, you know, the, the policy towards tattoos has changed. 
but we don't allow excessive tattoos, hand tattoos, neck tattoos, or face tattoos. And I was like, well, I don't have face tattoos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I have the rest but also of those. You, I feel like you have chest tattoos, but you do you have neck tattoos? Yeah. Which side is it? Where? I've got this one that goes down onto oh, my neck. Oh, on behind um, your ear. I wouldn't think about it is that. Behind my ear, but it does go onto my neck. Fair um, enough. I wouldn't have counted that at all, though. I was thinking they're thinking full throat, you know? Yeah. Most people don't. But if they have a tattoo policy like, like that, that, that's uh-huh. definitely what they're talking about. Um, Anyone that you can see, that's basically. Above. Yep. So I explain. I'm like, you know, I, I don't have any face tattoos, um, but I'm willing to wear long sleeves. I'm willing to wear gloves. I'm willing to wear my hair down. Um, you know, I, I can hide all my tattoos for the most part. And then they said, well, gloves have to come off. So no. <laughs> so I got my first uh, job stoppers. They've never been job stoppers before for me, but. Wow. Yeah. That's and so crazy. I to was me. I was pretty. If you shocked. don't mind me asking, was it a per especially professional setting? That they were no. even saying that this changed for. That's why I was thinking. I was like, Jordan, I don't think Jordan applied at any plate. Like, <laughs> is all of a sudden getting into accounting. So, like, well, I am an accountant, actually, I mean, it's hilarious that you say that because I am an accountant. That's what my professional <laughs> resume is. So, like, are you joking? No, I've done the accounting for multiple companies. Um, oh, my so gosh. I, I actually am an accountant. And I really want to get back into it. Uh, but the unfortunate thing is that I look like this. And so it's uh, it's because when you did accounting, did you wear a lot of button up shirts and stuff? No, no. I oh, was okay. working for construction companies. So there was no okay. like they, they don't, don't give care. a shit. Yeah. OK. Yeah. You honestly so probably just got can... messed with less. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it was also no, your dad's company, like, so, like, no one's going to fuck with you. But Oh, like, but I've worked at other companies as well, so it's yeah. not, like, mm-hmm. just that. But, yeah, so it just, it was, uh, it was really disheartening because, like, this position I'm was sorry. a retail position, which is not what I'm trying to do, so. Right. Well, I mean, disheartening because you want a job, but... To get rejected from something that you weren't interested in that much anyway. Like was, how? Well, it was more the, oh, this is just the reality of things. Like, do you know what mm. I mean? Where it was just like, okay, so if this is not allowed, then I guess I have to go further down the list. Who is? Basically. Oh, I told. Yeah. And being like, wait, so. And because like you said, this never happened to you before, right? No, I never. I've never had this much problem finding a job i have consistently worked two three jobs at a time Mm -hmm. um and so this has just been like insanity to be like i just experienced that too actually the pat like before the beginning of this year was like three or four months of me being like dude i cannot find anything and it was people like going on three rounds of interviews and then people Mm -hmm. would like even pause i had 
multiple jobs where I would talk to them for months and then they would just pause the job search. Like they were like restructuring stuff. And it was like, what is going on in terms of people being like, there's so many jobs out here. And I was like, I'm applying for all of them. And like people either other, or like you're saying, maybe it's just that there's so many candidates that they're like, you know what? We're going to switch our stuff up. We don't want to see hand tattoos anymore because we don't have to. And like whatever kind of, nitpicky things people can do because they know people need jobs yeah well no i mean this one so the situation that i was in it was the opposite where they hadn't allowed any tattoos at all and then they had changed the policy but just i was like like, are they gonna do a strip search like what to waste my time to look at my resume that prominently has tattoo shop on it right to you know, to offer not look me at the my position. Work history, that's what I was about to say. To get me. all the way to offering me before you looked at that is like, and to at that point in something that you've already on some level acknowledged is like either because of a changing of the times or for whatever reason, something you were considering changing because it's not necessary. And then to lose someone that was clearly a qualified candidate to the point that you were straight up going to hire them. And then it'd be on, on, on something. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Just like to not offer to bat to renege on a job offer based on aesthetics that way in LA right now is kind of a funny thing to think of of depending on what your clientele is you know and yeah that, that would deter or anything or even be noticed by most of the people in your store I don't know it's, I think yeah it's, it's really uh, bizarre to me that employers continue to feel like they have ownership over their employees bodies like there's something that is really sinister to me about that (laughs) is the idea like that employers can control whether or not you have access to birth control or health care or what color your hair is or what piercings you have to me it's kind of like if but ba- you know back in the day right if you had a tattoo that was a sign you were like in some type of gang or whatever and that's no longer the case like it's not like you have some type of criminal record or you're a criminal and i think that tattoos mm-hmm. are becoming more widely accepted as just a form of personal expression and less some mm-hmm. type of indication that you're a criminal so the idea that they right. continue to be stigmatized is just fully bizarre to me Well, I think that that's just capitalism because those people, you can get fired by somebody that, like we said, has both of their eyelids blacked out in ink, but they are like, yeah, I know what, like I'll could potentially lose X amount of money from some 65 year old woman that comes in as my customer. So like, it's not about me or what I agree with. If it is going to hurt my bottom line, I'm going to hire people that fit into that because money, regardless of what someone's personal things might be. But they also do, like you're saying, use it to be like, okay, well, I'm going to only hire people that are what I feel are aesthetically presentable or whatever kind of brand I'm trying to build through some kind of weird, you know what I mean, controlling look thing. I've never gone to a store. 
and seeing what the 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 whoever is working that minimum wage position handing me my shit i've never been like never again because they look whatever <laughs> like what that's, that's so the thing. bizarre you have though people will come up to you in a store and act like you represent everything in there they will come up to you and be like why do you have that person on the floor that looks that way yeah, like a hundred percent. People have yes, I would get it at like Starbucks. stuff. Even yes, even at even before septum rings were a whole thing. You could like work at American Eagle and be like the one kind of different kid, and moms would come up to managers and complain that someone was working that looked like that around their kid. Absolutely, people do stuff like that. No, the entire I just I a couple <laughs> weeks ago called or not called, but just like gave a heads up to my job that I'm gonna have purple hair in a couple weeks because I'm going to a concert ah, and I was so like excited. hey is it gonna be <laughs> I'm not dying it or anything it's just gonna be like purple for a little bit but I was like is it gonna be a problem you think with any of our clients if like I get on a zoom and have purple hair because I just didn't want it to be an issue once it was already on my head. I was yeah. like, I'm just going to go ahead and address this now. So it's like for sure. And that's like a lot of the stuff I just mentioned is stuff that happens when like you're a teenager and younger and coming into this. Or even like you're saying, Jordan, server jobs. I have lots of female friends that have beautiful tattoos that they will in certain situations not be able to show off the way they want to because they're like, hey, I'd love to be able to wear shorts and not have dudes like come up to me and pretend oh. they're interested in my tattoos, but we weird about it. It's like, yeah, oh it's my God. definitely it's more accepted, but you're still trying to get to a place where it's not a weird novelty or gawked at or. Yeah. Oh, well, so here's the problem, the problem. Cause like there's, it's, this is, Jordan. this is just my personal experience as being generally the most tattooed person in any room yeah. like mm. i can walk in a room and have more tattoos than everyone there combined pretty consistently so there is a statistic that it's like 90 percent of 18 to 35 year olds have one tattoo well that's one tattoo i have so many that i can't count them i don't know how many tattoos i have but I do know that I have uh, space on my stomach to get another one and space on my knee to get another one. Like, I don't have a lot of options anymore. On your knee. Yeah, this is well, like one of my operation game, sort of, of but just like trying to place No, it absolutely carefully. is. <laughs> but like the difference between the professional issues that I do face because of it, because I do apply for jobs that I am a qualified for but the tattoos mm. and then the other side of it is the fetishization of it yeah. where mm -hmm. i dress incredibly modestly i usually right. am constantly wearing a sweater with a cardigan with yep. a pair of long pants with a pair of boots like Solid i do not vibes. dress in a way <laughs> yeah maybe a sundress is. yeah maybe a if sundress we're getting if crazy. I'm if I'm with my boyfriend, because the fucking creeps that come up to me and say shit about my tattoos, and I'm like, I don't fucking know you. I've never laid mm -hmm. eyes on you before. But the fact that you feel so bold 
to come up to me and tell me that my mm-hmm. tattoos are sexy or the tattoos that you want to get because guys for some reason think that being like so I wanted to get this like lion for a really long time <laughs> and I'm like thinking about getting a pocket watch and I'm like I don't fucking care I can't like, think of you're a not less appealing pick to write down what tattoo you want Something about tattoos also makes people think that they can touch them. People will like I fucking rub hate that. your tattoo. I fucking hate that. Yeah. It is I, constant. I no one has much... ever done this to me. One dude. I've but only had one time. Yours. Most of the time. I have I, been wearing, in the summer, I wear like tank tops and open back dresses so you can see my back one. But I that's true. Most of that. mine are covered up. But like, I was well, waiting to also, say yeah, your have... back when someone doing something weird. I, I have a full that. blackout sleeve and people yeah. constantly want to touch this because it looks different. That's because so weird. They want, they want to touch that, my blackout sleeve because it's, they're like, oh, does it feel like skin? I'm like, yes, it feels right, like skin. Right, like what they the think it what, is still about? scabbed over or something? The only person <laughs> I want to, I want to bring the positive spin to it. The only person I've ever let touch my tattoos as a stranger was a 65-year-old Russian lady in Hollywood who walked up, grabbed my hand, and said, can I show you my tattoo? And I went, of course you can. And then she goes, my sister's boyfriend did this. It's her initials. I got it when I was 13 in a kitchen in Moscow. And then she (laughs) fucked off. And I was like, I love you. I think you are the most amazing person I've ever met. I want to be your best friend. That's adorable as fuck. That's the best. Yeah, because I do re- uh, uh, do appreciate my mom, like, instilling in me. Or not even instilling in me. More like I know they don't like tattoos, so I knew that mine had to be hidden. But I do mm-hmm. love that any more that I get, I want to stay on my trunk. Like, okay, everything yeah. is pretty much... Because I do appreciate the difference. I can kind of see people's brains if I've met them in any kind of like professional setting, be like, you have tattoos and Mm -hmm. then see that they aren't small. They're like, Oh, you have tattoos. And they just are like, I don't, it's like, Oh, I, it's like, you can see them being like, I didn't know trying to figure out what kind of person you are all of a sudden that you did that. It's interesting. No, and it's that's generally what my experience too. I have a lot of, cause my face looks very wholesome. That people just assume that mm-hmm. I don't. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, yes. like I have a full back. <laughs> like, Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. No, it's and I mean, my my perception is completely screwed. My best friend is a tattoo artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she and I walk in a room. My dad always laughs because he's, you know, we'll go out to lunch. We'll go out to dinner. And my dad got fully tattooed in the last five years. He got full sleeves, full back, full stomach, full legs, all of it. What? He's got, oh, yeah, awesome. no. That's dope he, as shit. My dad is so funny. He was like, yeah, but I think I'm did done he not have felonies. any before? He had none because you can get identified <gasps> by the cops. So he didn't have any. <laughs> that was what I grew up. I grew up with my dad being like, don't get a tattoo. You'll go to prison. And people are like, oh because like it's a bad thing to do and i'm like no because it's an identification no because they'll be able to find you yeah exactly so like that's what i you know whatever fuck it i don't care so he got tattooed we got matching tattoos uh, about seven Uh. years ago and now he's fully sleeved 
full chest, full neck, full back. Well, not neck. He's got a, a line on his collarbone that is like a delineation. But he's got full. I mean, like, it's so That's much so tattoos. Funny. So when he, my best friend and I walk into a restaurant, because we always go to these like really nice restaurants because my dad likes fine dining. That's it adorable. Is incredible. Because she and I walk in and we're like, whew. And then he walks in and he's got all the tattoos too. It's, yeah. But it like, looks so like I just like, what kind of hell's angel? Yeah, I was going to say. Is happening here? Is this some type of like hell's angel father daughter lunch? Like, what is. Oh my God. Like? Especially like my dad wears the really nice. He'll go to Nevada because you can't buy certain kinds of like uh, snakeskin boots in California. Mm-hmm. And so he's got these like just gorgeous cowboy boots that he always wears and he dresses, you know, he's always got the suit jacket and everything. So, yeah, we look we look fucking crazy, but it's it's just one of those things where like I have never. I have never noticed if people have tattoos or not. It's not something Mm. that I like even think about. Mm -hmm. Um. People I think I'm like aware to point of it because I'm – oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jordan. Oh, well, just people like to point out that Keith doesn't have any, and I'm like, you're right. He doesn't, I guess. Like, I just – I, I don't forget. Fucking, yeah. yeah. I have no fucking um, idea. It's not something I but think about. I, I do like what you were saying before, Andrea, that, like, we're getting closer to that mm-hmm. um, generationally, that it will just be – even what you're saying, Jordan, I think it is more now that people notice when people don't have tattoos and will go back to kind of um, not like no one having tattoos, but just the more the novelty of, oh, look at your clean little body. You don't have no tattoos like yeah. that kind of being a thing for a while I think, and it won't matter either way. Yeah. But I feel I, like we still have some people. We have people still that can spend money that that may matter to. Once the people, once everyone spending money does not care about tattoos, I will be good to go, I think. (laughs) Well, and that's my other, because I've had clients who are like Bohemian Grove billionaires and they don't give a shit. If you're competent yeah, and you right. can do what they hired you to do, they don't fucking care. I've worked for, I've worked for people who opened banks because they were, they wanted to like, they didn't give a shit yeah. that I had tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. And I only default to that because that is a profession that my mom is in. And I know yeah. that it's one of the places that they still allow the most like staunch rules like that in terms of sleeves and things being covered and all that stuff. Like I know tall guys that have had trouble working at banks because they wanted them to have their sleeves down all the time and they roll them up because sleeves are too short and they look stupid. But they were like, you look unprofessional with your, your sleeves rolled up. Like, but I feel like you look more unprofessional with your little three quarter. Looking like a dingus. (laughs) Yeah. And like your little brothers, but that's what it was. One of my friends for real was like, I look stupid because none of my shirts are fully all the way down but they were like you're you have to have your sleeves down this was like you know yeah probably early mid 2000s but yeah i don't know my boyfriend is six foot seven and he's he has the same waist size as me so he like he can he forgot his belt so he borrowed my belt the other day like he's just a skinny man so like his 
pants are just like so hilarious. far he he wears hilarious socks like i buy him he has like socks that have sharks and bananas and stuff like that because he's like <laughs> everyone will see my full half right. of my thigh or my calf my you socks, know like my yeah. socks are always a part of the outfit <laughs> absolutely because he he's just so tall there's no it's so funny it cracks me up but uh do you guys want to get into some art news <laughs> Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, want, I hope that you get another job offer, Jordan, at some other. I do I as think you well. Will. I'm, I'm I feel like you should you definitely shoot. will. I feel like the higher you go, the less people actually give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's always these, like, dumb retail positions where they're like, we need to control everything you do. And then, like, the more... Yeah you you know the more you get paid the more freedom you have with your personal appearance because there's more just trust in you as a person well and like what you were saying before jordan is some of the people that uh have that level of success now are like yeah i made this much money because i know that people make dumb decisions that i don't waste my time worrying about (laughs) like come work for me you're good i have money who cares and i do feel like there's more people out there out like that here in LA that have started their own thing and are like yeah, yeah my friend looks like a maniac but he's a genius and like a bunch of other people would have missed out on you know how valuable he is because yeah. he does have like letter like full sentences over both of his eyebrows or whatever I feel like all my <laughs> no, favorite people I mean it's have, frustrating yeah I, I feel like all my favorite people have like tattoos or just like make bold fashion choices and kind of go their own way. But I think that's just who I'm attracted to as a person because I just like people that are fully and unapologetically themselves. So yeah, those are people I have more trust and faith in honestly. (laughs) Well, it's just, it's frustrating because to me I've never, but I know that I'm not, I am not the norm because I do have, you know, I'm severely neurotypical. Like there's no, uh, I am not the average Joe, but like, you know, I've never judged people because of their teeth, because of their education status, because of their tattoos. Like I just, I have never had any kind of, you know, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's really So is it mind-boggling to you that other people would even entertain that? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's uh-huh. completely, it's something that I do not understand at all because, like, to me, everybody is a person and it's just not a thing of, like, oh, well, you look like that. I'll laugh at bad tattoos. I don't, feel, like, come on. Yeah. You get shitty tattoos, that's fine. But like Jordan's like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I have eyes, but Yeah, no, but it's also like I've had people, you know, try to pull the like, well, I don't have any tattoos and you make bad choices. And I'm like, Well oh, fuck off. I don't care. I haven't heard that in like, a while. But yeah, you're right. I can definitely things- say but also Jordan, all of the things about you existing the way that you do are why you can't possibly wrap your mind around those immediate discriminations that other people are because you are so different and you know what it would be like for people to assume those things of you and you know what you're not so you're automatically coming at clean slate with everyone you know what I mean no when my dad's great but when other people don't do it you're like that's strange judgment 
when my huh. dad saw my tattoos, he was like, oh, girl, wh- why are you getting these tattoos? I'm you. like, you've literally been to jail. Like, why? Like, you cannot judge me. <laughs> like, are you kidding me right mm. now? You got your ear pierced and rode a motorcycle and went to jail for two years because anyway, he did it. But like, we have very similar don't... fathers. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you can't judge me, bro. Like, you're barely my dad like technically yes but like you know what i mean like yeah jordan we love you was that we good love or bad you so much. Or just because no it's just it's really hard to be constantly judged that i'm not smart or talented or able to be professional because of how I look I and it's like I'm missing yep. teeth so that's also a thing you know it's just Jordan I'm sorry it's okay mama it's okay. you do a great job here so use me as a reference <laughs> baby thank you <laughs> do they do podcast co-hosts as good <laughs> references <laughs> Uh, good. If you, here's the thing. If you put me as a, like a coworker or whatever, you will, I could be like great with time management, good (laughs) at researching and presenting information. I like accidentally give too much away. I'm like, yeah, she always makes it on zoom before I do. And they're like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, let's get into this art news, baby. So this is a, this is a short little one. Um, this is a February, 2022 article from NPR. Well, it was, a you know, it was an audio, but I read the part because they make it so I could read. (laughs) Anyway, you get it. Um, I used to do that when I worked at the bookstore, I would read the transcripts from, uh, Terry Gross's interviews with authors. (laughs) Yeah, it's I like reading the transcripts. It's easier for yep. my brain to like absorb seeing yes. it. I um, am as someone who's really bad at reading. I can read conversations. What do you mean? Very easy. Like like you're saying, like a transcript of an actual someone talking for some reason yeah. is way easier for for me to read than like a book. <laughs> like yeah, I can absolutely. Read it so if it's like question, person talking, I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got this. It's almost like yes. you're here with me talking. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so this is called uh, Meet the Security Guards Moonlighting as Curators at the Baltimore Museum of Art. <gasps> yeah, I am so glad that this is what you're doing. It's so cute. So last year, oh God, I'm so the Baltimore Museum of Art invited their guards to curate an exhibition. 17 of the 45 museum guards participated and got paid an additional salary for their labor and had the opportunity to learn everything that goes into curating an exhibition. Um, The Boston Museum of Art director, Christopher Bedford, said, basically, guards spend more time with these works than anyone else in the museum. And... Uh, Chief curator Asma Naim, who is one of the people that came up with this idea, said that they pick up a lot of insight just because of how much time they spend with the works and they pass those along to visitors naturally. So it made Mm -hmm. sense for the museum to sort of utilize this tool that's already present to help curate a show. And this is my favorite one. I'm going to show you. Um, 
guard Kellen Johnson, who has worked at the museum for nine years and is studying vocal performance at the Townsend University in Maryland, picked this Hale Woodruff painting for the exhibition. And I will share my screen. So that's the piece that he picked. And he said uh, he... It said his passion for music informed the choice. He said, quote, I asked myself, if these paintings could sing, what would they sound like? That one sang Mozart to him. Wow. He said, it made me think <gasps> about walking along a row of trees on a darkish day. That's so, that's so it. beautiful. <laughs> it's God, really yeah, sweet. The I, insight. I really love this program for me personally because I think that one of my issues in art school especially and with the art world is this idea that you have to have a specific language or understanding of art to appreciate art or that if you're just a random yeah. person you're like not good enough quote unquote so I love sort of yeah. just the honest and like emotional way that the guards chose a lot of their pieces in a way where they're like, this piece really mm -hmm. speaks to me. Um, they had other examples, mm -hmm. but I just love the idea that just regular people who might not be trained in fine visual art, but who enjoy it and who have access to it every day and who have an intimate experience with these pieces are choosing the pieces that they love be just because they love them. So yeah. I love that sort of like, not I, I want to say like unacademic quote unquote but I would say not overly academic is a nicer way to say that because it's like I think that art should be for everyone and I think that people feel intimidated by these spaces and this is a way to make it more accessible for everyone which I love yeah and I don't think that something has to in terms of what you're saying about people interpreting art and stuff it doesn't have to be academic to be interpretive yeah like anyone can interpret it so a four-year-old can tell you what they feel about a painting if they're the kind of four-year-old that interprets things that way you know what I mean yeah. like I in terms of just and that being valued uh in a similar way to because I've said very guttural things about a painting and then had someone next to me be like, oh, well, yeah, actually, because they know more, mm -hmm. say you're right and this is yeah. why you're right. But they just have a totally different understanding of why that feeling is being evoked. So it is kind of your version of that same academia. You just don't even know you're doing it because the art is doing what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that. I actually have... I have a hilarious uh, tie-in to the four-year-old thing because <gasps> when my nephew was three or four, he was really little, um, I went to the, uh, there's, a, there's a museum in San Francisco and they had the largest curated collection of Dutch and Flemish Renaissance art and it was like a traveling mm. exhibition and it was it was so beautiful but I was holding him and <laughs> we were looking at a landscape and he points and he goes I want to go there and everyone in the room was Aww. like oh my god he gets it he gets it and he was looking around at us like you fucking idiots how do I get in there come on Aww. that's really cute I want to <laughs> go love there that. 
<laughs> that's the best. Yeah. That's so honest. And I also, I love that story so much because I also saw that story and I love it because I was born in Baltimore and I can imagine what all of those security guards sound like talking about <laughs> art. And <laughs> I also have... Like, it's just like all of the pictures of those security guards, like the headline was just like if all of my aunts and uncles were running a museum, like that's Aww. what those pictures look you like. Know what? It's the best. Katrina, I have the article up. I'll show you. We'll just, I'll just open it in the screen yeah. so you can see it. They're so cute. <laughs> and also because I have like a five minute joke in my special that I taped. Yes. That I taped <laughs> last year about art security guards and how much <gasps> I love them because of what you said, Andrea, because if you hang out, if you go to art galleries or museums by yourself, I feel like a lot of people go with like kids and stuff like that. If you yeah. go by yourself and you're straight observing stuff on your own, that's who you talk to. Yep. Security, yeah. Like docents yep. will tell you before you get on a floor, like, Oh, this is my favorite floor. Like absolutely. Like they'll tell you the things, make sure you see whatever security guards tell you the real shit. They'll yeah. tell you like, they'll tell you the little things. Oh, by the way, there's some tiny weird exhibit over there. Everyone keeps tripping over be careful like, <laughs> they'll i i one time was at one it was at oh not the broad it was the broad but they had like the super sexy uh rain room up that oh. people were in just like taking selfies of it was amazing so it was like pressure induced floor that turned off the water above you when you were standing so that you could walk through the rain without getting oh. wet that's fucking cool it was out of control people were just using it for selfies pretty yep. much it was just like me and a dozen couples with like girls standing backlit but if you were in there and just actually appreciating that you could like stick your hand out and feel rain oh, but not so feel cool. wet because of where you were standing was so sick so i just walked in i'm walking around by myself so i went through like people were leaving but i was like whatever this is like how i got to this room so this little this like skinny black man comes up to me there's a security guard and he goes where's your sticker and I was like, right here. And he goes, no, you're supposed to have another sticker. Like, you had to pay extra to be in this room. And I was like, oh, shit. oh. I was like, I don't know. I came through that way. And he goes, you got five minutes. And just, like, <laughs> let me go and be in the room. But it's I like, art security guards are the best people. Like, the end of my joke is, like, I want to put a tip jar in the front for them and see if people think it's an exhibit. Because, like, art security guards deserve to get tipped. They're yeah, the best. They do. put absolutely. up with so much shit. They're constantly telling rude people to back away from paintings. They're the best. <laughs> well, and you know that they're there because they love being there. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they're not, it's not like they're getting paid a bunch, but they're probably, it's just like, well, I could be doing other things, but at least I get to look at art all day. It's a quiet, and honestly, it is a quieter place to do security. Yeah. Like a yeah. lot of times I feel like it's like cool ladies and older guys and stuff like that. But even if you're a huge buff dude at the front, it's like, yeah, I would particular personally rather be at a museum during the day than a club at 3 am like everyone's yeah. life is different but like if i was gonna secure something i'd be down with securing art like yeah. that sounds fine 
Um, but yeah, go art security guards. That's so, I'm so glad you did that, Andrea. (laughs) Yeah. It made me super happy. I love, I feel like I love when art, anytime art becomes more accessible to general people and when it becomes like less academic, I think is when I love it because that's like the purest Mm -hmm. form of art to me is like just when anyone can be like, I just love this. And what you were saying, Andrea, about them being or the article said about them being there the most is like, I feel like I've appreciated been in a room by myself when it's legit just me and the art security guard. And even if I'm just making noises to myself and stuff, you can see when they smile because people are like enjoying art. Yeah. Yeah. You can see when they're (laughs) like, oh, everyone likes that one. Or that's the favorite of this room. You can see, I've seen people out of the corner of their eye, like, look, you know what I mean? Watching me react to something because that's been like their station all day is just watching people react to this, you know, piece of art all day. And yeah. it's, yeah, that seems like a nice part of your job to be able to just quietly enjoy by yourself. Like how I feel in a museum, I can't see, but so like, even in my joke, I say like the sassy things that people, that they probably have to put up with, but yeah, it's like, it seems like such a nice, peaceful, hopefully mostly peaceful place to have to be that person. It's very wholesome. It's just like a wholesome story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my degree is in how to academically speak about art. And that quote that you pulled about how that security guard looks at art as like, what Mm -hmm. sound would this make if this made music? That is one of the most beautiful things I've heard. Yeah, it's really sweet. It's very tender. But yeah, do you want to go? Wait, so do you, what's yours, Jordan? Yeah. Um... So I waded through. Do you guys know that NFTs have brick and mortar galleries now? I'm sorry. Do you know what? that that was happening? I, I barely no. understood them to begin with. Now they have galleries that are real and tangent, and but they're they not. Them, like, What's going on? There's like TVs. I'm breaking up with this concept. <laughs> Wait, so they just have like TVs in a room to show the NFT yes. basically? Okay. The nope. NFT and see. I no joke. This is what I, this is what I thought was going to happen. This is what I was asking what was going to happen. I, knew I was like, it, if you buy it, you're just going to have, have to pay to for it. it to play somewhere all the time. That's yes. okay. Okay. I keep went, talking. When I'm, I went to, oh, geez. <laughs> I went to the LA art fair, not this year, but last year. And they had like a quote unquote gallery. That was just three big TVs on the wall, like portrait style. So, like, turned on their side, displaying just, like, Mm. it wasn't even a good NFT. It was something where I was like, this is boring. Like, I wouldn't watch this. This sucks. Well, and there's so many video artists. There are people that do things with screens and videos and things that... mm, Keep talking, Jordan. We'll talk about it when you're done. Oh, no. (laughs) They're the most expensive gif. That's what NFTs are. (laughs) That's what I was about to say. Like, it's not, they're just still images. That wasn't even, I didn't, I basically, so I waded through (laughs) these articles about NFT galleries because I also, Uh in my job search, have been seeing gallery attendants for NFT galleries. And I'm like, what are we doing? I didn't realize 
Because, uh, yeah. Honestly, uh, it's probably more expensive. It's probably more required to have a gallery attendant so no one steals the televisions because those are actually worth something. <laughs> like, you could just hop You don't have to TVs. convince anybody that a TV is worth. Yeah. Like, if you steal someone's penny, you have to be like, no, but look at the symbolism. You can move a TV. Yeah. <laughs> exactly they're like wait it only plays one channel this is some bullshit like what is this <laughs> boo this tv just has a stupid duck on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can't even talk about nfts because they just i don't fucking get it but i waded through all of this about nfts because that's fucking all people want to talk about right now and i found two very uh-huh. exciting uh, things that have happened. You guys, archaeologists have figured out where the uh, stone that the Venus of Willendorf was carved out of came from. Did you? Oh, did that's kind of cool. Did you see this? No. Wait. <laughs> what? So wait. They, did they like chemically analyze it? How did they do that? Uh, the article didn't say. I'm going to need you to out. back up and tell me what that Lord of a Rings figurine that you just described is. What are you talking about? The stone so, of Willa who? The <laughs> Venus of Willendorf is one of the oldest art objects. It's 30,000 years old. Um, she is absolutely gorgeous. I will share... Do you have oh, a pic? Because I have I've a seen, pic. I haven't seen this one in real life, but I've seen all of the like adorable, similar bodied figurines. Yes. And so part of what was so, what has been so mysterious and interesting about the Venus of Willendorf, we only call her the Venus because when she was discovered, it was this whole thing of like, I think this might be to jerk off to. And also <sighs> Venus is... Oh any woman uh oh yeah no there was this whole movement where it was like i think this is like to jerk off to and men would carry it when they went out hunting and it's like it's three feet tall this doesn't make who sense who made that up yeah Fucking what a dude dudes. a dude made that up a dude was like yeah, i jerk off to that i bet they jerked off to that <laughs> yeah Some archaeologist no. got a hard on when he discovered this and he's like i jerk off to this <laughs> It was like, yeah, I know who made up that theory. He brushed the dust off her boobs for like three hours. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Shut up. Have you guys seen the... Back in uh, my day, the, we had to chisel our porn out of stone. Because also this, I know that this is not how chiseling or stone works, but now I'm imagining, Jordan, that they found a stone that just had the negative of her boobs and body like completely <laughs> carved out of it and they were like we found it so the russian one let me see if it's actually on here oh dude okay so the czech one is terrifying the russian one it's not are on wait because the the check you mean like they found different versions of her yes. in different places so they found <gasps> oh, all <shit>. within <gasps> about two, wow, uh, ten thousand years of each other but the they found swiss them- one is sick <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> they found them all meme. over the world oh yeah the russian one the russian one does have a head they, they have found some that have heads um and it's uh-huh. fucking terrifying oh interesting yeah that's so, so cool basically they didn't know why these pop up as like a very 
consistent way of showing the female body. Like this is just a very consistent Uh thing. Um, And they didn't know because they, when they found uh, Venus, she was in Willendorf, which let me double check because I'm bad at geography in Austria. Um, Okay. But the stone that they, that she's made of is not from that area. So there's been this huge mystery of where and how it ended up where it was and also trade routes and the ways in which that prehistoric people were interacting with each other. Mm -hmm. They just found out it's called Oolite and it's from Italy. Oh, cool. That's dope as shit. They didn't follow it up with like what that means about trade routes and prehistoric uh, peoples interacting with each other, but Austria to Italy. So we've got some trouble happening. So are they, I mean, did they hypothesize at all that these were all carved in Italy and then brought as talismans? Or are they saying that the stone as a raw material was purchased and then carved in the different cities, like by artisans and craftsmen They didn't. They didn't break it down. And just to clarify, um, the Venus of Willendorf is the only one that's made from this stone. The rest of them are made from different materials. So oh, this wasn't like a, this one thing. Yeah, those ended all up, looked different. And that's why they all look so different is because there was yeah. this this thing that was happening at the time where it was like, like group consciousness is kind of the closest that I can come up with. And that basically has been like how archeologists talk about the thing either way. Like it is fun to think of everyone individually thinking about that. And then ships being inventing, but like, shut the fuck up. You made a big titty lady too. (laughs) This is our big titty lady. Yeah. What does your big titty look like? We got to trade these. Like they just became like giant trading cards. Like like, whose big titty lady do you have? Yes. Like this was their beanie babies. Yeah. Or pogs. (laughs) Sexy pogs. I love sexy pogs. That's so cool, dude. I love the Venus of Willendorf. I actually have a thing that ties into this um, because archaeologists in China found pigment that was over 40,000 years old. Uh, So the reason that I'm tying it into this is because these are both prehistoric discoveries that have happened recently. Um, Mm -hmm. but also because when they analyzed the pigment and the tools that were used to create the pigment, because ochre is the very first pigment that we've ever had. Like that is the oldest. That is how we figured it out. You burn it, you grind it, you hide, you tan hides with it. You draw on Mm -hmm. walls. Like that's ochre. (laughs) And there's a way to process it that was kind of the norm in other parts of the world, but not in this Chinese archaeology dig that they've been doing. They didn't Hmm. find the same kinds of tools, and they didn't find bone tools, which was the type of tool that was being used at this time, not with the ochre, just bone tools as general. So they are figuring out that 
it's not necessarily that ochre and these tools are because of interactions between groups in prehistory, but that they might have just been figuring it out at the same time in other parts of the world. Separately. Yeah. So cool. Good. That's really cool. So, I mean, we, we kind of see that a little bit when we think about some of the similarities between like Mayan architecture and ancient Egyptian architecture where it's like, yes, those civilizations did not have any contact with each other, but based on sort of the materials available at the time and what they could do, like they just kind of came to the same place. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that means the that some sturdiest of these just- way to stack rocks. <laughs> Exactly. And it, 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 it kind of means the, that the first hive mind. Yeah. I mean, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it just means that like this desire to build and create and and paint is just part of our DNA a little bit. You know, it's just something that. Yeah. Humans do. Humans. Yeah. That well, and humans the, like to do. Yeah. the yeah. archaeologists that were quoted in this article, um, they mentioned that the creativity is a cognitive skill so these people were thinking abstractly and thinking in a more um what's the word like critically yes yes and so there's the this shift happening because like it wasn't just that a monkey stood up and then all of a sudden it's people like these yeah. are, mm-hmm. there are steps a that happen shift. and something like, yes. And something like critical thinking skills, something like abstract thinking, those things happen. And then that means that civilization then happens. My hand looks like a chicken foot. <laughs> <laughs> I keep pointing at you guys and it's really distracting so funny. Me. Well, Aww, I, that just made me miss chickens, though. I love chickens. <laughs> They're cute little feet. I think that this really points, though, to the... Because, like, part of becoming a human and part of, like, the way that we evolved is that we had to have more ability to plan for the future. Like, yes. we have a different conceptualization of time than a lot of other species. For most species, time is right now. Time is, I'm hungry, I go find food. They're not necessarily considering a future and especially not a long future. And to, in order to plan an artistic endeavor, you have to be able to gather materials and have a plan and execute it. And also to visualize something that doesn't exist. And like go to sleep and wake up and remember yes. you wanted to do that. Exactly. Like, I feel like, like dogs would do that and they'd be like, wait, what is all this stuff doing here? <laughs> <laughs> that they collected the day before. Yeah. And it, that's part of, I mean, culturally, like our, our young, our offspring require so much more nurturing than most animals. They live yes. with us for so much longer in order to develop that level of cognition it's it's all sort of part of that the idea that as we grow in intelligence and as we have these abilities to plan for the future a natural byproduct is art making yeah yeah um and like that is there's a great uh there's a really incredible book called color by danielle finley um where she talks about the shift from ochre and she goes through the history of ochre 
why cave paintings look the way they do, how we've processed mm. this in the past, um, all the way to modern pigments. I think Klein Blue is the last one in her book. I love this because it so perfectly ties into the article I want to share. Oh, perfect. Uh, yeah. So I actually have, there are two articles because when I started reading one article, that article referenced another article. So the first one is called The New Yorker, The Myth of Whiteness in Classical Sculpture by Margaret Talbot. And it's from 2018. And then the like concurrent article is why we need to start seeing the classical world in color, which is a hyperallergic article by Sarah Bond in 2017. And shout out to Taylor oh, and Ali. Oh, I know where we're going. Oh, Jordan knows where we're going. Shout out to my friend Taylor and Ali this. who sent me this article because he was like, oh yeah, did you know that ancient Greek statues weren't pure white marble? And I was like, what? <gasps> So he sent yeah, me this article. I didn't. Um, yes, so they're amazing. They were fully colored. So there's a there's a professor what? named Mark Abbey who is a professor of ancient art at the University of Georgia, and he says that the idea that ancients disdained bright color is one of the most common misconceptions about Western aesthetics in the history of art. He calls it quote a lie we all hold dear, which is pretty solid. <gasps> fucking bars uh that's you got me fucked up right now i'm gonna it's share an image amazing um yeah because when we uncovered these sculptures the pigment had been basically eaten away yes uh -huh. <gasps> so here i'll keep let this me bitch keep has reading bad this. eyebrows i love her it's hilarious. Uh -huh. So Vincenzo what? Brinkman, who was pursuing his master's degree in classics and archaeology in the 80s, used a UV light and other tools to uncover the original colors of now white statuary. And in the <sighs> 90s, Brinkman and his wife, Ulrich Koch Brinkman, who's an art historian and archaeologist, recreated Greek, Greek and Roman sculptures in plaster, then painted them with an approximation of their original colors based on identifying flecks of original color. And the touring <gasps> exhibition, Gods in Color, which opened in 2003, has been in 28 cities all over the world. And here is... That, how does not everyone talk about this all the time? Yeah, how doesn't <laughs> It really they? ruins... I can see the photo that's coming next, and it really does ruin <laughs> the idea of this austere and stoic Greece. Mm -hmm. Like, we yes. really think so, that they are, like, the rational... It makes it like, oh, this stuff, we were just walking around looking like Disney World, almost, <laughs> I with mean, the, these statues. So these statues are patterned in very elaborate painted textiles yes. that would represent the upper class of the time so they have these like beautiful yes. ornate bright colorful patterns we the image that we'll put on the instagram is this dude is crouched he's shooting a bow and arrow he has this bright gold hat he has these like lovely sort of i don't know if they're braided or maybe like even dreadlocked like long locks yeah is that his hair yeah, yeah that's his hair and he, he has even like his full sleeves are like mo it looks like he has Moe's haircut from the Three Stooges in the front and then a mullet in the back. <laughs> and he's got on 
a onesie that looks like I would get an ad for it on Instagram now. Yeah, it looks yes. like a jester outfit, like this, like yes. bright diamond pattern cool with all these patterns. different colors. Yeah, it's really, really pretty. Um, but basically, but it is not uh, what you were saying, Jordan, about like the uh, allure that these all white statues have. Yeah, well, because so, the way that we've uncovered them is like so it it changes from this oh my god, it's so like there is something haunting about marble that's just left by itself. There absolutely is. Mm. Well, the idea, I mean, so a lot of where this comes from is that when a lot of the Greek statues were being uncovered in like the late renaissance like 16s late 16s early 17s the statues 14s yes but okay so like the the, some statues were being uncovered then but the way that we think about it now the way that we sort of have this like eurocentric idea that all these statues are really white comes from a lot of historians in the 17 and 1800s who wrote about it uh, yes. One of them is this dude named uh, Johann Joachim Winkelmann, who produced two volumes recounting the history of ancient art called, oh, it's in German, so bear with me, <laughs> Gesteicht der Kunst des Altertums. Uh, where he Bless celebrated you. the whiteness of Greek statues and disparaged <laughs> the artistic contributions of non-white people. Basically, yeah. because oh. they discovered Greek statuary when it had been eroded by the elements, all the paint had sort of been mm. washed off. The only paint that remained right. were like very small, minimal flecks. And a lot mm. of times when these archaeologists a long time ago would be like cleaning it, they would further... Right get rid of those paint flecks yeah as a part of the cleaning process and so there's this idea that statues are like all white and this has led to some pretty solid white supremacy uh there in the in the 1750s dutch anatomist peter camper believed that he could find the formula for the perfect beauty through the facial angles and he used roman statuary to map the quote perfect face he measured mm. human and animal facial facial features, and those ratios were later used by others to create the racist cephalic index, which categorized humans based on the width and length of their faces. And then the Nazis used Ugh. that to support Aryan superiority during the Third Reich. So there's this very like yeah. I was just picturing someone like tab dancing in with a sign that says eugenics, like eugenics. Yeah, it's pretty messed up. Uh, the this yeah. lady, uh, what's her name? Sarah Bond wrote in her article, quote, the equation of white marble with beauty is not an inherent truth of the universe. It's a dangerous construct that continues to influence white supremacist ideas today, which mm. is a pretty solid thesis. Um, and she sort of backs that up with some evidence. So... She kind of argues in her article, she's like, yeah, this, like, ancient Rome stretched from northern Africa all the way to, like, England. Like, these people were not all yeah. white. Mm. People had a variety of skin tones. Mm -hmm. And yeah. 
in Rome during the Roman Empire, it was actually seen as a sign of beauty for men to be dark skinned. Uh, lighter skin was valued in women because the idea is like they're not outworking, they're just inside, right. they're higher class, whatever. Yeah. But for men, right. it was seen as a sign of physical and moral superiority to have dark skin because it meant that you were masculine mm-hmm. and you're out like fighting and hunting and doing manly shit. Mm-hmm. So much right. so that in the Odyssey, the goddess Athena is said to have restored Odysseus to godlike good looks in this way. This is a quote from the Odyssey. He became black-skinned again, and the hairs became blue around the chin. So there's this idea that like we have propped up for centuries that because these statues are all white, that everyone in greek and rome was white and therefore this like yeah higher mental whatever and well, even like this guy i've never pictured any of them to have black hair i would have never pictured any of them to have his hair as dark as that yeah um the image of that jester archer yeah it's really crazy and this there's another image that we'll share it's this one it's um sort That's of these beautiful. eye fragments is that a nipple mm-hmm um you I would think find a nipple yeah. first a weirdo where <laughs> it is a nipple right where? here in the corner oh, I see it. there I we go <laughs> jordan it's found the nipple like immediately a tattooed sun around it and it's in a shadow you perv <laughs> i'm joking it's all eyes and lips and all one nipple eyes and jordan right away one found the nipple. nipple here goes jordan i'm joking but I'm sorry, it does but have a, the tattoo around it a box like the of 90s eyes. tattoo that hot dudes had around their belly buttons yes nipple, yes like the 311 sun the sun setting on their about happy to come trail. original <laughs> a, a box of eyes and mouths is made serial killer level if there's a single nipple. I'm sorry. Absolutely. One nipple, I'm done with this box. Nope, you're weird. This was artsy. Now I'm scared. What it off. What I really love. Jordan closed the box. What I really love about this image, though, is just that there's, like, all different types of skin and eye colors. Like, the it, the palette is yes. diverse. It's not all white. You know, there's, like, yes. lighter and darker skin tones. There's brown eyes. There's hazel. There's blue. Like... It's really pretty, I think, just as, like, a non-serial killer collection. I mean, I can't not unsee that nipple now, but before that, I was looking at the variation. That's a red nipple, too. (laughs) It's very red. I mean, probably from getting tattooed. What is going on? I have so many questions about that statue. So that's the thing in the article, too, is, like, there's this idea that these bright colors were, like, garish or gauche or somehow, like, not high like class yeah like yeah. tacky uh-huh. i can see that yes 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 and the idea that statuary is that pure marble white is so ingrained uh-huh. in people's minds that yes. it has influenced the ways that archaeologists date things when they find things that are painted they'll be like oh yeah. this wasn't oh my Greek or roman and then because later, it has color because it has color yep. they'll be like this is from they'll be like this is from the etruscans because they were a more primitive group that predates the greek or romans and only they would have had like these garish colors and it's like <sighs> no they were all painted we just yeah. fucked up restoring them like that's it but to an extent where like museum goers if there are displays of painted statuary museum goers don't want to look at it or they don't believe it's real or you know like they don't 
engage with the work in the same way because culturally there's this yep. idea we that's think been it's perpetuated. like a recreation or something yeah uh-huh so it's really weird that oh my the bias that that's created and how it contributes to yes. white supremacy <laughs> Yeah, yeah. like lit- legit color. <laughs> legit, yeah. I-, I thought it was just such an interesting article because, like, I didn't know they were painted. I went to art school. I don't remember Ever. talking about that I've shit. I've never heard that before. That's what I'm saying about why doesn't everyone know that? Why doesn't every statue next to it have on its placard a tiny colorized version of what it used to look like? It should. Like, why is Absolutely. that not something that we talk about with every statue that I've ever looked at? That blows my mind. Because yeah. I do feel like what you're saying, Andre, about the trickle down of that aesthetic being associated with wealth and any kind of higher status and like people in America use statues that are all white and what we think looks like money now is all based on bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, Sarah Bond has and this- something that someone in like Jersey would do and be like, <laughs> oh, I like this fountain and think that it's broken. We would make try to make fun of them and say that that's like tchotchke or something. Right. And it's like, no, that's fucking art. <laughs> well, Emily Bond had this sort of beautiful quote about it where she was just like, there is this idea that marble is this pristine, white, perfect medium but that the ancient mm-hmm. Greeks and Romans saw it as an unprimed canvas. The idea that like, <gasps> that's just wow. what we paint on. Which that's not the way you look at those at all. Even yeah. that is, a, that that quote should be at like the entrance of every outdoor exhibit with a bunch of marble statues in it. Yeah, yeah. it's such a <laughs> just perfect Just to quote. like change your perspective. Cause that's the thing. I will never look at those statues the same. I thought they were all supposed to be white. I thought that they were like pressure washing them to keep them the way that <laughs> Extra they were. Extra white? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Seriously. Really, like once, because basically they get unearthed and this starts the Renaissance. And then the artists during the Renaissance weren't painting any of their marble because it was seen as like blasphemous. Right. But mm. it's just, it's not how it's supposed to look yeah i i think that's what's interesting is like as the renaissance artists were finding it they're like oh they're white so we'll make our shit white and then everyone's like this is the best this is the height of (laughs) culture and it's like this is used to perpetuate racism fuck y'all i'm thinking about and i'm only saying this because i i've heard um, you know, the sprinkles of when people start talking about Roman noses and all that stuff. And I'm like, mm, I have an idea where this might be going, but <laughs> I don't oh, necessarily. No, I love Roman noses. Oh my God. They're so yeah, sexy. The little, the hook. People talk. Yeah. They're just like, people oh. talk about things. Yeah. You can like hear certain things. And even before, like, do you ever hear something now and get mad about all the other times you heard it? Yes. And we're like, wait, you were trying to see some low key shitty shit. Yes. And I didn't even realize yeah. I'm mad. So like, I don't necessarily have, like, I don't visually equate um, the white and the marble and all of that with perpetuating white supremacy. But I do think about it in terms of how we look at, at class and art yes and what is um high end and what isn't and how much more colorful everything would be 
if we had not been, per, you know what I mean? Perpetuating this lie from the 17th century this whole time, like just like hotels and all of the things that would look different, contemporary clean white lines and the way that people like landscape architecture, all of that that I'm thinking about that these kind of statues are even used in, in modern spaces to just be like, look at this expensive thing Yeah, would be different if they were being poised around something that we would like, I looked at that first one. It looks like Disney world that looks yeah. like something you would like let a kid <laughs> yeah. sit on and take a picture with absolutely yeah. no and i mean um, yeah maybe we wouldn't have that god-awful realtor gray Ugh, i'm <laughs> i'm so done with modern interior design i think it all looks like shit more like rich neighborhoods would look like they do in the beginning of edward scissorhands yeah it would just be like <laughs> color everywhere but that would be like million dollar homes would be like bonkers colors and borders and like patterns on like different parts of the house and stuff straight up one of my favorite parts of living in a mexican neighborhood was just that the houses were like yellow and red and like just like pretty colors like teal like you just walk around and it's just like earth like jewel toned houses and i'm like i really like that because it made me happy (laughs) like it made me happy when i walked outside to see people's houses bright colors and it's not like stifling. Yeah. And kind of like in terms of a little bit of what we were talking about in the beginning of like control and stuff like that. It's like people have fought stuff like that in HOAs and stuff oh like my that. God. Where like you aren't allowed to have a fun garage door yeah. or something like that where it's like let things let people visually have their shit. be different. I right? listened to and a just- murder. Okay, I listened to a murder where <laughs> two neighbors. This intro, this what is, is happening? There's a murder, murder podcast. New segue. I think it was <laughs> on. New segment, art murder. I think it's the podcast Morbid, uh, where basically okay. two. Wait, it might be Canadian true crime. I can't remember. I'll I'll message. I'll find it. But basically, these two neighbors. <laughs> Um, had like vacation homes in the same area and one dude was from France and he's an engineer and he's like super stodgy and then this other couple was like artistic and they put like surfboards out and like colorful glass and they build like a pavilion and this is like in the middle of nowhere but they had to share a driveway so like the driveway uh-huh. went and then split I listened to this and they with the boulder yeah and they got in this huge ass fight like they kept getting in a fight where the guy was like their place is so tacky and they would keep like calling the cops on each other for like unlicensed building shit and finally this one guy he's like well technically their this part of in front of their driveway is on my land and so he put this giant ass boulder so they couldn't get their cars out and the (laughs) husband was trying to like hammer the rock apart and the dude shot both of them because he was so mad so this french architect killed his neighbors because their house was tacky and he like if you listen to him no fucking remorse he was basically just like they deserved it because how would you feel if someone was like reducing your enjoyment of your vacation home and i was like fuck you (laughs) but yeah people really feel this way about controlling other people's shit yeah, but speaking of pro tip for uh, our classy listeners, if you go to Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas, 
you can touch a replica of David, and I sometimes get blackout drunk and sit there and touch his little toes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you touched anybody. Dick. <laughs> no. I thought she, I was no, like, I what is she going to get drunk and touches? So, but they oh, don't so you can only you touch, can touch all the, the replica part. marble. So I, yeah. I stand up there and I put my hand on his foot and I look at Keith and I go, I'm touching David. That's fucking adorable. But I want them to paint. I want them to paint the ones in Vegas now. I want well, to see those what ones are all Renaissance like. replicas. So they're oh okay. Painted. Those one really would be yeah. David was painted. never painted. Okay, got David it. was Michelangelo. Got it. But wait. Andrea, is that show still happening? Um, you can look it up. It's called. You can see they What's have like called? an online web page. It's called color? Gods in Color. Gods um, in Color. And we'll link. We can put the link in the show notes and stuff. But yeah, it's really interesting. I don't know if it's still happening. I'm sure it is because they've even had like, just to like. I'll look at the website. Even that's so cool. Yeah, the website's really cool. It shows all the different statues. But the whole reason that Sarah Bond wrote these articles in the first place is because she's in Iowa. And a white supremacist organization started using images of white statuary and basically saying, like, this is the Aryan ideal and this is what we need oh, our culture to be. Oh, my gosh. And she was like, fuck this. And as someone who lived in Iowa and had a boyfriend who wasn't white, and I, I remember this is, like, the first memory of, like, feeling, like, uncomfortable is I was like holding my boyfriend's hand. He's Indian. We were like holding hands on campus and just like being cute. And this fucking skinhead like across the street, he didn't even say anything, but he gave us this like terrifying, like intense glare where I was like, oh, this is what this, this is horrible. (laughs) Like I can't (laughs) imagine having to deal with that on a right. I mean, I can, but like it sucks. Like that's just fucking insane. But Iowa has a lot of like weird white supremacy racism bullshit. So like, oh boy, not not a some, fan. Some it's weird almost like curb it's an American vibes. Yeah, it's almost like a, <laughs> an American shit. Some curb snobby shit. But but, I, but I've never the here's the thing. I've definitely like I had my apartment flyered by white supremacists like two weeks before I left Jacksonville. Chills I have never hard. seen someone use like images of art that's high end that's high end racism <laughs> that is some caesar's palace like, level that's what i'm saying oh like if God. i had like a flyer thrown on my yard that was like you better get like go back where you came from but it was just like a man throwing a discus i would be like now i'm just confused what's happening like where do you Wait, think i'm so- from <laughs> You want, like, we should all be naked? Like, what is this? Like, what's the plan? (laughs) I don't even know. And, like, my neighbor's like, I don't know, girl. Mine's got Athena on it. I don't know what they want us to do. Like, what's happening? That's so... Real men only hunt with bows and arrows and sometimes a discus because this is what we... (laughs) Real men are only half whores. Wait a minute. This one. They should have used a different one for this one. They should have used a different guy. Real men have the face of a bull and will chase you around a maze. (laughs) Hold on a second. (laughs) Minotaur supremacy. Fun fact, the whole like conceptualization of the centaurs is like someone ruled by their animal nature because they have a horse dick. That's basically like 
what like what centaurs are supposed to represent in Greek mythology. <laughs> and I do feel like whenever they in cartoons and animation talk, they give off the vibe like their dick is they big chomp. enough that they don't really need Fuck to be. You. They're always very <laughs> they're humble. Very, they're the Keith they Carey like, of uh, <laughs> yeah. Centaurs are the Keith Carey of mythology. Here's the thing: they're just they're like they're just there to help. They get it. People are very attracted to them. They're like, "Man, please stop rubbing my chest. I'm just here to save you and maybe jump across a creek while holding you." Like they really, they get it. (laughs) I'm not gonna lie, Fantasia, the old school Fantasia. Do you remember they had that part with the sexy centaurs? Yeah, I was like a child, like feeling things for those centaurs, and I'm like, I don't understand this, but like, I'm possibly like the this? most horse girl thing I've ever heard you say, Andrea. <laughs> and Why I've heard so you neigh like a horse. I have heard you neigh like a horse, and that is the most horse girl thing you've ever seen her said. Is that sexy centaur made me feel things as a child. It's like, yep, all because it's like, yeah, your worlds were colliding. Like, <laughs> what is this safe? What is this safe male with the bottom half that I love? I <laughs> don't know what to do with this. Legit, I was attracted to the ladies. Like, they're so sexy. Like, oh, I the, don't know. Oh, yeah, the female centaurs. The female that centaurs like- are like wildly hot, and it's upsetting. <laughs> It's them. I think my first cartoon version of that was the lady from Fern Gully. Ooh. What were you going to say, Jordan? Oh, I was going to say it was the mermaids from Peter Pan. Oh. Oh, Yeah, me too. They were my Because that scene is... I do remember I wasn't like attracted, but I was like, they're going to fuck this kid. (laughs) Oh, no. I was like, can I be Peter Pan? I would like to be Peter Pan. Oh, Okay. I didn't put, but I was like, something, this is, it had the, to me, it had the vibe of like, if somebody let their son sit in the back and they worked at a strip club and they were like, oh, bless your heart. And they were like, like, they're not going to do anything inappropriate, but they can tell that he's feeling tonight, huh? This is the Keith Carey episode. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, it's just it did have a like. D- this is a. I did feel a different energy during that scene. You're right, yeah. Jordan. No, I get that. There, there definitely is a lot of like bizarre sexualization. Oh, this is okay. This is a related news story tangent. I actually sent this article. It was like a meme to Keith, but okay. the dude who. Like, th- there's this, like, thing in Disney where they're like, why are all the villains gay-coded? Oh, it's because yes, yes. the dude who what? made Jafar, Scar, uh, what are the other ones? The gay Disney villains. The guy who, like, created those characters, both drew them and, like, conceptualized them, was a gay uh-huh. animator. <laughs> yeah. Not, but is, is that gay animator also, like, particularly flamboyant and possibly a drag queen when they want to be on the weekends because like when you were naming oh, all Ursula. those people I was like yeah but Jafar is like the most like he is yeah. Scar also like have you heard Scar's song that should be a number at Hamburger Mary's like <laughs> okay his name is Andreas Deja and he animated okay. nearly every Disney villain during the Disney renaissance including Scar yes. Jafar and Gaston so oh, yeah and see i don't feel it as much in gaston but i get i i can kind of get i feel like those are the he's like the other side of a coin maybe 
yeah of Jafar feels, and Scar and then like Gaston's on the other side he's like Gaston the upsetting just, straight dude who's like yes. like he's 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 that dude who's like he's repressed well he's so narcissistic <laughs> maybe that he's attracted to uh-huh. himself in a way like there's a type of like self oh, okay. love yeah but yeah that's a fun oh my fun gosh. fact no I love all that but I can definitely see it in like Mm, I don't know. Just like the. Is he the one who did Ursula? Not Cadence. Oh, that. Well, even when you were listing male ones that I guess they were saying that I was like Maleficent. Yes. Ursula a thousand percent. Like these are icons. Well, Ursula was actually uh, based off a drag queen. Divine. Divine. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's divine. Straight up. the, The one who that ended up being about i can see that but oh okay i mean i can definitely see it in jafar but i feel like there's something about like it's like maybe an accidental overlap Mm -hmm. but there's something about the character of a villain that could also be picked up as like gay culture that well, is like you were saying just the viciousness yeah of some of the things that those villains embody and always those not necessarily being gay it's like a villainous thing that could be interpreted as a well it's like gay culture mannerism i don't know how to describe it villains are queer coded like that's just a kind lot of, of always times, been yeah, yeah so and it's it's a like oh being gay is bad because this is the villain like that's kind of been the the vibe on it but is it evil because i don't know i guess even in scar be like if scar is supposed to be evil and gay i don't get why the gay part is supposed to be bad like he doesn't uh use anything particularly seductive or anything it's no. like the mannerisms are like bitchy but maybe it's, yeah it's, it's because none of the heroes are queer coded so oh okay. they're very straight so it's the counter and, oh yes you know? yes yes and then but then that's why i was having questions about gaston because it's like is gaston a closeted man that would be happier if he just let um his henchmen love him and they just need to run off together what's the little guy's name that loves him oh i can't remember beauty and the beast gaston's like henchmen i don't remember but i do i'm just going way too deep with it yeah i do think i understand what you're saying about it just being like gay bad as women who have dated men i think that we've all dated a gaston Oh, it's like you are too straight for anyone to be having a good time. (laughs) Oh, so you're having a good time. That's fine. But that to me is even as a gay animator, that would be you kind of having like a good time with like a bro villain. He doesn't read coded to me. That's why I was trying to figure out what his particular coding was supposed to be. But I get it with the other ones. I totally understand what you're saying about it just being gay bad. But I guess I was still not understanding that coding as gay bad because the quote unquote gay part of their villainousness is just great character work. (laughs) So I'm not associating it the way Disney wants me to, I think. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
But I get what you're well, saying. As a kid who had a lot of feelings about the mermaids from Peter Pan, I definitely picked up on the, <laughs> oh, it's bad to feel that way that Disney was really going for. Mm, <laughs> see, and I like even, okay, so Scar is bad, but Scar was bad because he was a bad brother and like jealous. Like he was slick as fuck though. Like yes. everyone about his like cunningness. Like I, uh, yeah, I was already just separating it more than Disney. Disney wanted me to but I totally understand what you're saying and Jafar I think they made his what would be his gay negativity his gay negative traits more a part of his actual villainousness as a because it was just like ultimate greed and intense narcissism and I can see somebody trying to from the outside use that as like a homophobic thing but they fucked up with Scar Scar's cool yeah well, that's the yeah, the agree. whole thing. Sorry, I'm so just many... analyzing Fuck Disney it. characters now. No, that's that's why people are realizing like so many queer kids relate to the villain because the villain is closer to like a representation of having your of experience than right. Yeah. Well, I think what happens a lot. I just attach to all the male heroes. Like, I just wanted to be Mowgli every year for Halloween. So that's cute. (laughs) We were all just picking different ways. (laughs) I think the thing that happens, too, though, is like, especially at this time, if you're gay, you were ostracized. So most of the villains, to write a sympathetic Being villain... Being up in a tower. Yeah, to write a sympathetic villain, you have to write someone who is ostracized, and that ostracization gives them motivation Isolated. to push back against society. Mm-hmm. And so I think that a good mm-hmm. villain is a sympathetic villain, and someone who is gay might have felt what that felt like, so that's probably why he was mm-hmm. able to create such good villains. That definitely makes sense. I got one more quick one. You got okay. Let's get into it. It's it's very quick, and it just it's just because it relates to our last episode about Dada. Um, so there is going to be a Sophie Tauber Arp uh, exhibit at the MoMA, and she is a Dada that we talked about on the last episode. Um, by day. Wait, taught- MoMA like our MoMA or in New York or something cool? Uh, like, can I we go? I think it might be the New York MoMA. It doesn't say because there's okay. also an SF MoMA. So, um, but the article is called Dada Head and Powder Box. Um, and that one is going to be really interesting. And it is kind of a shift towards the women of Dada deserve some fucking recognition and they even Hell say yeah, it dude. Not in those words. that makes me really happy um, i love so that that's happening and then uh there is not needlework that's not what we're looking at i don't know where it went but i can do this off the dome uh robert rauschenberg is a combine artist post-war probably the least uh recognized post-war artist um Mm. very influenced by dada in his combines where he does he takes the ready-mades and takes it a step further um the robert rauschenberg 
uh, foundation is releasing the entirety of his works in an online series of books. It will only be available oh, online. Oh, that's cool. There will be no physical copies. They're hoping the first one will be out in 2025. That's really cool. I'm I'm a physical book person, especially for art. I need to have it in me front too. of me. But like, that's dope. I love that. Yeah. I think it'll make Yay. it more... That was like a... That's art news and current events. Yeah. And it ties We're into like our last episode. We're just like a bulletin board for art now. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, I love it. Well, thank you both so much for all of that fantastic news and also straight <laughs> dropping all kinds of art bombs on me this week. Just learning stuff. <laughs> Statues are in color. Nothing's what I think it is. <laughs> yeah, I had, this was a great episode, honestly. Like, I, I know that yeah. our discussion Yay. about tattoos was long, but I think it's a really important discussion and I'm glad no. we had it. So I'm here for yeah. all of it yes yeah agreed no. and we love you jordan thank so you. yeah thank you all so much for joining us for another episode of Pavant garde um if you like what you just heard you can follow us on instagram uh and twitter at Pavant garde p-o-d-v-a-n-t-g-a-r-d-e um, and you can also find our Facebook group of the same name. Uh, if you like to hang out and chat and look at memes of my cat whenever he won't shut up when we're recording. <laughs> and um, and also uh, we have a Patreon that you can join if you would like to help us continue to fund editing episodes and hear the new soon to becoming exclusive episodes. For Patreon only. And if you like me as a person and want to follow me, Katrina, I'm the person that did not contribute any art news today. Um, you can follow me at Katrina Savad, uh, S-I-V-A-D, uh, on uh, all of the things that people follow people on. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Uh, if you want to send us, I don't know, images cutouts wait hold on if you want to send us cast painted nipple replicas you can send those to us in their physical form to our p.o box at 1001 fremont avenue south pasadena california 91030 that's box number 366 send us those nipples uh we'd love to see it <laughs> If you like me as a person or and want to see what I'm up to, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Andrea Gazetta, on Twitter at Sundress Comic. Check out my art at AndreaGazetta.com. I have prints for sale. Uh, you can join my Patreon and get exclusive stickers at Patreon.com slash Andrea Gazetta. And I have a solo show. So I will be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin on April 9th is the show opening. Um, I have about 50 pieces of unique brand new artwork that I haven't really been showing. I've been showing some process in my stories, but not much of the completed pieces. So if you want to see what I've been up to for the f past four months and see the first solo show I've ever had, uh, it's called Stratosphere and that will be at VAR Gallery West in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I'll be posting more details about that on social media and stuff. So check it out wonderful yay i'm so excited yeah i'm so excited um <laughs> and then if you want to see 
the uh, black work embroidery that I've been doing. Sometimes black work lace, sometimes Spanish black work. It's super cool. It's really fucking cool. Uh, dude. You can. <laughs> you can follow me and the ridiculous amount of research that I have been doing on all things textiles, including the history of embroidery samplers. Yeah. Uh, you know, those really cool topics. Uh, at the Goonie- You know the thing everyone's been talking about. <laughs> you know, it's just something that... Like, I just wish that I had cooler hobbies if people are going to judge me for my tattoos. You know what I mean? They are cool. I get it from both sides. Also, that's what you should say. The (laughs) next time someone tries to give you shit, you just scream, I embroider (laughs) for fun. I just am imagining. I'm making lace. I'm imagining Jordan doing like a kickflip off a skateboard while crocheting right now. Like... Emotionally, like yes. what's up, dude? I'm here to um, party. Let me knit you a scarf. You look chilly. So funny. I am She's the Bart Simpson the pit of mom. knitting. Yeah. Um, but you can follow me, Notorious Pit Mom, at Goonie Bird Crafts to see all of the random fiber work. And if you want resources, if you want information, if you want to know how the fuck to look shit up on antique embroidery or antique patterns library.com. I can help you with that because I spend a lot of time on that website. Uh, you can message it's basically me at, her Wikipedia. It really is. Uh, you can message me at the Goonie bird. That's my personal account. I really only check the messages there. Um, yeah, I don't know. My boyfriend's going to be in Alaska and He's got shows, oh. so go listen to This Is Not A Show, and he'll tell you when those are. <clears throat> yeah, if you're one uh. of our many Anchorage, Alaska listeners, the Before You Die <laughs> Fest is a wonderful festival. I've been there. I did stand-up there when I used to do stand-up, and uh, it was a great time, and my Uncle Jeff might be there. So, you know, go check it out. It's a good time. <laughs> nice. Go say hi to Uncle Jeff. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> a lot of my family live in Anchorage, so... Um, thank you all so much for listening to another art news episode of Pavant Guard. And we love you. We love you so we love much. You. <laughs> Bye. Hey guys, Andrea here. Um, I'm asking for your help a little bit today. Because Jordan, Katrina, and I are all comedians and artists who don't have any experience editing sound, and because this is a sound-based medium, we have asked an editor to help us with our episodes. Um, We had a few issues early on with some of the early recordings, and we're working on getting those sorted out. Um, And... Part of that is just having an audio engineer. So in order to be able to actually pay him and pay him a fair rate, uh, we're asking for your help. We've set up a Patreon, patreon.com slash podvantgarde. And our goal is that we can pay him not from our own pockets, but from the resources of the show itself, which means we need your help. Um, We're also planning on starting to release bonus episodes. We'll start with one a month. Um, 
And as that Patreon rate increases, we'd like to eventually expand that to a bonus episode every week. And the bonus episodes will be more, um, a little bit more loose fit. We'll be covering art, uh, like current events and weird things that happen because there's a lot of like weird stuff going on in the art world right now, um, especially around NFTs, especially around AI. And I think it's really interesting and worth talking about, but we just need to be able to pay someone to edit that bonus content. Um, I would also say that in terms of the time cost, you know, Katrina, Jordan, and I all are supporting ourselves outside of this show. This show takes a lot of time. I'm probably spending at least three days a week with every episode just researching. We're buying books. Um, Katrina's editing the time codes. She's building our website. She's doing all our social media. Jordan is also researching her own episodes. And my goal for the Patreon is just that it can become something that you know we're not looking to get rich I don't think that's ever been our goal I don't think we ever think that could be our goal but what I'd like to be able to happen eventually is that the Patreon can become a way for us to just pay ourselves a living wage for the time that we invest into this show my experience uh, with cult podcast um, is that it's really hard to make a show every single week and not have other financial resources. So what I want is that this Patreon can eventually become a financial resource for us. It can help us support ourselves and it can help us to continue putting the show out so that we don't get burnt out and want to pull our hair out. Um, we love you so much and we think that the show is really important. I personally think that we need more podcasts that cover history and art history from a feminist, anti-colonial queer perspective and that's where we're coming from as artists and as art historians and comedians we love you we love this show thank you so much for supporting it that's again at patreon.com slash and thanks guys <laughs>